Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. William Bust, welcome to the podcast. This is Focus on Why and I'm joined by William. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, Amy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, I understand that you've actually listened to a few episodes, so that is going to be very handy because you know what's coming. I have, and and being enlightened by a number of your guests, I think uh, you have a wonderful style that helps really just to draw out the best in the people that you talk to. Well, let's hope we can do the same for you today. So no pressure at all. Thanks for that, William. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start by asking the question, what is it that you're up to at the moment? It's uh, been a very interesting year or so. I mean, we're recording this coming up just before it's broadcast in in April 2021. And we've had a a year of lockdowns and non-lockdowns and time to think about all sorts of different aspects of running a business. And I think what, what I'm working on right now is bringing a lot of those strands together. Um, and I think I've, I've seen over my career a lot of opportunities, a lot of ways to work, a lot of thinking about business models and the way that small businesses operate and the way that larger businesses operate and teams work and all of those different aspects that all bring people together in business. And, you know, my rationale in life, the thing that, that I get up in the morning to help others to do is to be building better business. Um, and there's a number of things with that. Better, obviously, is a subjective thing. You know, what's what's better for me in my life is not what's going to be better for you in your life or for somebody else who's listening. You know, we wouldn't want to live other people's lives. We want to live our own. Um, and part of really understanding what living your life means is about understanding what better means for you as well. And having that vision of what you could become and who you could be, um, given the effort and the the work to to get there. And then, you know, I'm working with business owners to help them understand that and then to plan and have the strategies to deliver it over a period of time, whether that's six months, a year, or five years, or 10 years, or whatever it, it needs to take. So the last year or so has really been me looking and reflecting on all of the aspects of that. So I'm right now, to answer your question, I'm writing a book uh, about business mastery. Um, And there's there's something very special about writing it down, actually, and and, and trying to express the knowledge that I've built up over the years in a way that allows other people to understand it clearly. Um, and of course, in doing that, I'm using uh, not just what's in my head, in my memory and in you know, the thinking that I've done on that, but now I'm turning it into writing, uh, which uses a part of the brain that probably hasn't been involved in that thinking before. Uh, and then I'm reading it. So I'm seeing my own words, um, rather too many of them sometimes to explain quite simple, complex, uh, simple concepts. Um, and that seeing it and seeing that I am using too many words, um, you know, is a real insight into 
well, how could I make this simpler? How could I make this more more understandable? How could I make it apply to more people? Uh, how can I make a, a bigger difference from the things that I've seen and learned? Uh, and that's, you know, it's a fascinating process in its own right. Um, so that kind of writing the book was a project that I set out to do a couple of years ago when I passed my 60th birthday. It was one of the things I said on my 60th birthday in a rash moment, probably with a large gin and tonic in my hand or something like that, um, that I was going to write down what I knew. Um, and my biggest fear in that was not being able to write it down or not. It was that I would be writing an encyclopedia rather than just, you know, something that was was honed and perfect. And I think to a great extent, the first year or so after I had that thought, that's what I was writing. And it, and it wasn't, it was complicated and it wasn't explaining things well. And I've had to, to learn to be a better writer. So, you know, I talk about building better business, but I had to, this was a new skill. And I was, I didn't, I didn't have it like entirely new, obviously I've been writing all my life, but um, I didn't have the the skill to really write it down. And and that's that learning through that process has been really phenomenal in helping me to lift other business people as well, just because I've had that greater clarity. Um, I don't know if you if you saw uh, Steve Jobs's commencement speech at Stanford. Um, which a lot of people have seen, it's done the rounds quite a lot. But one of the things he talks about in that is it's not possible to join the dots looking forwards, but you can look back and see how all of these things came together. And I think that's that's one of the things that I've really noticed in this kind of year of reflection is how many of the things that I'm now doing and thinking about and working with clients to do have come about you know, almost by accident from a collection of different things and different experiences that I can now draw on to, to make a, a bigger whole than the individual component parts. It's, it's synergy and synergy within my own head. It's kind of a bit weird, but there we go. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of what I'm working on right now, um, which I think was your question. Sorry, I've, I've rambled quite broadly there, but I hope that was useful. <laughs> No, it's been great. And I just want to come back to something you said right at the beginning, that in the year of lockdown, you've had the time to think. And as as we have many people had the time to think about all sorts of things within their business and their personal lives. And I just wanted to ask and, and sort of make potentially even challenge about why you didn't have time to think before. Uh, it's a, it, is a, it is a great question. And I think there's there's a whole... There's an enormous number of things that play into that. Um, I think, first of all, um, there was a kind of way of being um, which was disrupted by the first lockdown, this time last year, March 2020. Um, it was just an ex a societal expectation that... Uh, you know, we would travel to work, we would spend time in coffee shops, we would spend time, um, you know, with people in, in, in a whole host of different environments, many of which were not really great environments to think in. They were great environments to do in. And so we had this kind of societal expectation of doing. 
but wrapped around it was all the traveling and the time it took to be in the place where the doing took place. And lockdown gave us that initially probably just the travel time part of that. Um, and, and once it had given us back the travel time, and I think, you know, different people reacted differently to it. I, I thought this is fabulous because now I've got some time to think. And I, and I, you know, genuinely made that kind of conscious effort to set that time aside for a different type of working. And, and what it, what that thinking taught me was how much of the rest of my doing time was also thoughtless. Um, and, you know, on autopilot almost, yeah. We've all driven home, haven't we, and got out of the car and kind of, you know, I don't remember anything about that journey because um, we've just been on autopilot. And an awful lot of our lives, I think, was on autopilot. And, and for some people, that loss of the autopilot has been really difficult um, because it was it's how they've stayed sane for years and suddenly it wasn't there. For me, it was a release. But I, but I recognise it wasn't a release for everybody. You know, we all react differently to these situations. Um, and I now look at it and go, in fact, it's interesting, Time to Think is the, the name of a book by uh, Nancy Klein. And uh, she's written a couple of subsequent ones, the, the More Time to Think, uh, which is the, the follow-up. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Amy's got it in her hand now in front of her. And... I did a course this year about how to uh, build and create thinking environments, partly because I was now doing more work on Zoom and I uh, you know, had a good reputation for giving people the space to think when we were working together, when I was mentoring them in my normal day-to-day -day work, face-to-face. -face. But I was conscious that this environment, the Zoom environment that we, we kind of created last March more than anything else, was different and I wanted to, um, I've always been somebody who's looked to, you know, continuously improve my own skills and develop and hone my own skills. So I did a course uh, about thinking partnerships and, and creating the environment for people to think in partnership with somebody else. And it, you know, it, was, it was an extraordinarily powerful course, actually probably not for the course content, but for the people that I met on it, and we've remained very close uh, friends and, and, and still um, speak regularly and spend time helping each other to think things through, a little bit like a mastermind group, I guess. Um, and that, that has really you know, honed my ability to recognise the value of creating, carving out time to think. In the general sense, I'm doing more walking as well. I used to go swimming, couldn't do that. And swimming was my chosen way of keeping fit pre-lockdown. Um, and now doing more walking. And there's a cadence to walking that allows, it kind of provides a metronome to thinking almost. And that's been fascinating too, you know, thinking about thinking about thinking. And, and then thinking about how does one think about thinking? You know, it all gets very meta very quickly. Um, but that whole taking the time to reflect on what we know, what we can do, and who we are as individuals changes who we are as individuals. And that's incredibly powerful if it's directed in a positive change, um, which I think is what I've done.
your use of superlatives throughout your languages is quite prominent. I don't know if you're aware, but you're talking about better and bigger, making bigger differences and being better writers. And you just mentioned that you're on this continuous journey for yourself. Where does that go? Where does that take you? And what is the striving behind that? Oh, that's such a great question. I love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, part of the thinking over the years, and this goes back to, you know, when I was, I was an insurance man many years ago and, and had a career in, in big corporate land. And I, all those years ago, I've been watching, you know, those people, they walk into the room and they just have something about them. They have some presence, they have some gravitas, but more than anything else, they have wisdom in bucket loads. And I've been pondering about this, you know, how how does that mastery of their subject, of their, themselves, come about? And what is the journey that they've taken to, to build that mastery? Um, and that thinking has taken me into all sorts of areas of psychology and how adults learn and all those things. And I kind of, I liken it to being, you know, we start out on everything as a bit of an explorer. We have no knowledge. And at that point, we're hungry for knowledge. Uh, you know, just as a, a child is hungry for knowledge, is asking about everything that they see because they want to understand it. And when we get enough knowledge, we start to get skills in the thing. We become a novice at what we're doing. Um, you know, I took up photography again a few years ago and, and you know really didn't understand what the dials on the camera meant you know and that was the, exploring that once I got to be able to take some photographs and I was taking lots of photographs most of them were awful but I'm learning the skill I'm seeing what works seeing what doesn't and gradually you become a, a practitioner uh, in the language that I use and the practitioners are the bulk of people you know they've got good at what they do they love what they do they're, they're just great practitioners and the world lives on them um but a few will will take that further and they start thinking about transforming what they know using it in different contexts um seeing how context matters and where it doesn't matter and they, they learn about subtlety and nuance and they're the people we call experts you know they really understand the topic but there's something that, you know, they're expert at taking a photograph, expert at writing. But there's a few that are photographers. You know, they're, they're, they understand things at a different level. They have that great wisdom, the masters. Um, and that's the kind of final step of the journey. And that's about appreciative learning, which is, you know, one of the four styles that, that adults learn by and it's it's really about that it's that thinking thing again it's about but it's about identity it's about who they are uh it's not about what they do what they do was the way they got there who they are you know they are a photographer they are a um you know a, a premiership footballer you know at the very top of their game but they're also able to lift others around them and to bring the wisdom of what they know to, to others who don't have it yet and support them. And that's, that's the journey that I'm on, you know, and I'm striving, even when you get to, be, to the mastery, you're not finished, you know. There's layers of that as well, and we can keep getting uh, not just better at it, but understanding it more and being able to simplify it and pass it on more easily to others. Um, 
and as I say, have a, have some wisdom around how we apply what we know and what we do. And that's the journey I'm on. And, and I love it. It's fabulous. That's great. And, and I can see that the passion sort of coming through that whole investigative, oh, I can't say the word. I can see that passion coming through the investigative and then the transformative, the appreciative process that you've described there. And it's really interesting because I, I recognize that. I understand that I, I, I'm living that journey, albeit, you know, I, I'm very much a midlife beginner. And I find it fascinating how we have this curiosity to, to learn and absorb and, and apply and then to share, you know, that it, it does become that, that sort of circular process that we just keep going with. Now, something that came up was when you said you set yourself a goal a couple of years ago on your birthday with your gin and tonic and your, your sort of various celebrations of, of writing that book, you talk about the sharing of your knowledge and yes, it may end up as an encyclopedia or, or a dictionary or whatever it is. It's, it's a culmination of all of your life learnings. What, what would that mean to you to know that you've had, you've got that legacy in place? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, I have another little mission. The trouble is I don't do little missions, right? You probably got that impression as well. You know, it would be very easy to say, well, you know, there's purpose in building better business, right? There's purpose in that. But we can also, to draw on your, you know, the title of your podcast, we can also ask, well, why? Why does that matter? And, you know, I'm a real believer that, that business is not just about providing a service or some product to people to make money. There's much more to it than that. And... I look at the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions even, small businesses in the UK, you know, real people like you and I working, working hard because we believe and we're passionate about what we do and we want to make a difference. And there's a few of those businesses that want to go way beyond that, not in terms of the business, but in terms of what they do to make a difference. Um, I've been very lucky. I've had some clients, uh, really inspiring clients over the years. I worked with a, a, a training company that also has a trust, and they use the trust. They, they fund the trust with a share of revenue, and they use the trust to make a difference uh, in, uh, in places in the world where uh, things are a little bit harder and not quite as, not quite as uh, easy for, for the people in them as they are here. Um, so they've done things uh, like worked with uh, youth organisations in South Africa to help avoid the gang culture taking hold. Uh, and they've done things like building um, floating classrooms in areas of the world that have uh, monsoons. And, and quite often the education just stops when the floods arrive and doesn't start again until the floods have gone. So build a floating classroom, you can teach all year. Now you teach those children all year you lift up their capability to make a difference in their world and who knows where that takes it you know this has generational change attached to it now i'm a small business owner i don't it's just me i'm doing what i do and i do it you know i hope reasonably well and people pay me for it but i can't make that kind of difference on the revenues and the profits that my small business makes but what if a thousand of us were to get together or 10,000 of us or a million of us were to get together 
and say, actually, there are some projects we all collectively think are worth putting a little bit of money to, but more importantly, putting our collective minds to and our energy and our resource, physical energy and time to, to make a difference. And, you know, the training company I've worked with, their staff have been out helping to build those floating classrooms and they keep, you know, a very close connection with uh, the learning that's going on there. And that, that really, you know, seems to me to be something that, the work that I'm doing now, I can change one business at a time. The book is about helping to do that for hundreds of businesses at a time at much greater reach with the same knowledge and skill and experience. But why do that? Because if we do that collectively, then collectively we can change the world. And collectively change the world. And you mentioned earlier about it being better and you you sort of, dug into what understanding what better means so what does a better world for you look like well you know it's interesting we're again you know time wise right now we've seen a few things happen in the last few weeks in the news we've seen you know unfortunately a, a, a young woman murdered by a policeman in south in south london we've seen um, george floyd in america killed by the police um, and the, the whole black lives matter movement we've seen division on those things in social media from different groups you know taking very extreme stances about one side of that or the other and I don't want to get into the politics in this podcast we're not going to do that my point is only about there is an awful lot of division at the moment in society that Brexit as well you know looking back over a slightly longer history that Trump, you know, you can just keep going with examples of things that that have have happened because of taking people and dividing them into us and them in in various ways, women and men, Trump supporters, non-Trump supporters, Brexiters, Remainers, you know, you name it. It's an us and them division that is then used to further agendas that are nothing to do with either us or them, but to do with in general, you know, smaller groups of people seeking something for themselves. Um, as I say, we could argue about the politics of that all day. It's not the point. Collectively, which is why I was very careful to choose that word, you know, the collective endeavour doesn't have division. It has recognition of difference, which is a very different thing. Um, and I would, you know, social media's, it's a massive divider. It brings lots of people together and then divides them. Um, and I, you know, I think I don't know how we solve that problem. I'm not suggesting I have solutions to it, but I do think the long-term better uh, to come back to your question is that we find a way to recognize difference for sure, celebrate it absolutely, and collectively build on the power and the beauty and the grace that lies within those differences rather than the othering that is going on at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 really powerful. And and I, I always talk about the power of a mastermind being able to collectively achieve individual goals because we all come in there with our own agendas, but together we can collectively achieve one another's goals. And essentially that's what you're doing, but on a larger scale, that's what you're working towards is, you know, we all have our own 
desires but if we work as a bigger picture and we see how we all fit in that jigsaw it makes perfect sense I want to go back to connecting the dots that you mentioned you referenced Steve Jobs speech and you also talked about sort of weaving strands that coming together and being in the right moment and I wanted to ask you what is the tapestry that you are weaving and what are those strands that you can then recognize have been there throughout your life how long have you got? Um, <laughs> it could take could take a little while, but I'll try and do a brief resume of the main of the main strands that maybe that the weft rather than the weave. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned, I, I had a career in insurance, so I had a career that was uh, was you know, I was a, an underwriter and a risk manager within the insurance industry, and I, you know, like many careers in corporate land, that was about you know developing some very um, quite narrow knowledge you know the knowledge of how to underwrite an insurance policy get the pricing right for an unknown future event Uh, how to understand risk again about unknown future events there is a theme uh, you know appearing here isn't it and uh, understanding the the kind of way that those things work and that whole process of not just getting the knowledge narrowed down to something quite quite specific but then developing skills we talked about that when I was talking about mastery uh, around that knowledge and building experience and with that built experience came promotions and and uh, you know managerial roles that that had people working with me and and ultimately I was working in you know fairly big projects uh, with large groups of people and I realized about that time that you know, running a project within a big organization is like setting up a small business. You know, you're gathering some resources and people and a goal and and then setting out to do the work to do that. And it was that realization that made me think, actually, I'd quite like to do that for me um, and, and took me out of corporate life into running my own business. And I, I think what I'd learned, the strand that I really took away from, from my corporate period was a real understanding of what makes people effective together, how we get to that collaborative, uh, cohesive working of a disparate group of different people. I then was working mostly doing, still doing project-type work as a change consultancy until 2008 came along in the the banking crisis and that taught me about the danger of sitting on your hands and hoping it all ends pretty quickly uh, which I think was just like Covid when it came along a lot of people sat on their hands and said it'd be over soon I second time round went not going to make that mistake again and you know made some changes not around what I do but around the way that I do it so that I could carry on doing it and continue to add value to my clients. And so there's there's that strand about how people work together. There was another big strand that was about this whole journey that led to, you know, the modes of adult learning. How do we learn new skills? How How do we develop and hone skills? How do we build experience in a safe way? Um, you know, if you're building, if you're building something to go to the moon and, and bring men back from the moon, as as, uh, as the Americans did, you, you can't do the experiments on the way there. Um, you need to know, you know, you need to work it all out beforehand. So I did look quite a lot of, you know, a big strand of it was about how do small businesses 
do the experiments they need to do to work out how to be better without risking the whole business. That, that's the context of that strand. Um, and that's about, I think, finding you know, examples of where something has been done before. Uh, and how, do they, how does that example apply in the, the business that we're now looking at? Because it won't be the same. And what do those differences mean? Um, and I think also there's a big strand around uh, being able to listen. Listening is such an interesting thing. It's, it's so often talked about, you know, so-and-so is not listening or I don't feel listened to, all of these things. And yet, if you hear that and you ask that person, what would listening look and feel like to you? You get a whole variety of answers because we really know instinctively when we're being listened to. But we don't necessarily know how that feeling comes about. You know, what's the process? What's the thing that we do? So I spent time thinking about that as well. How do we make, you know, that sensation of listening? That's what Nancy Klein stuff's about. You know, it's it all feeds into that same thing of uh, how how to be with somebody else, say nothing and speak volumes. <laughs> it, and it's it's a skill. It's a skill like many others. And I, you know, I hope it's one that I bring to my clients that enables them to to really get under the skin of what's going on in their world. So I think those are the main strands and, the, and, and they all kind of were taking place in parallel but not necessarily connected up. I was connecting and weaving them together at different points in, in, in my history. Um, you know, the team stuff, the collaborative stuff was probably the first to be woven together. Uh, and then thinking about how much clarity and transparency makes a difference to to how those people think uh, and how they can adapt and how they can understand each other and how do we get that clarity so that's another interesting word if you ask people if they're clear about their business the invariable answer is yes if you ask them to describe their business the evidence is they're not so you know there's there's a disconnect between this the the inward inside to outside view of how are we doing here and the outside to inside view of how does it come across and that disparity gets taken away if you get real clarity and transparency and mutual understanding and that's so important for teamwork and yet it's not really studied anywhere you know there's there's lots of bits but there's there are i believe you know there are some fairly fairly simple things that you can do that make that much much easier and the biggest single one is what you're doing now, not interrupting. Let people talk. Don't worry, you've got a question or two. You can ask that later. Just let them talk. And they'll hear their own lack of clarity if you let them talk. That's the beauty of it. There's a point at which people go, I'm not really making sense, am I? <laughs> and that, that moment, it's gold dust. It's wonderful. I love it. Does that answer your question? Oh, no, it, it does. It's great. And I, I wanted to, it, it weaves in quite nicely to the questions that I, you raised earlier, where you said, what could you become or who could you become? And I wanted you to discern a difference between those two questions. Well, I think what we can become is not so much about identity, but about what we do. Uh, we, we The what is, you know, accountancy, numeracy, 
oracy if you're a speaker you know can you stand on a stage and talk as a speaker that's the what that who is about what does that mean internally what emotions do you feel when you're doing the thing that you do the what really well how does that make your heart beat faster how does it make your soul soar to know that you're doing something that's fundamentally about who you are the individual and that makes a difference and we've all had those moments and adding in those two further questions the why would you want to become that and and how so i think why because when we're connected to who we really are and who we deserve to be you know who we can be the very best person that we can be you know we're always going to have some things we look at and go, I didn't do that very well <laughs> and, oh, wasn't that my best that night and you know that's part of it it's part of that ability to recognize when you haven't been at your best that allows you to know what you could be when you are and uh, so that striving to always be the best you could be that's to me you know, is, is part of the answer to that. There was two parts to your question. What was the second part? The how. The how. Thank you. Um, I got so passionately wound up in that, I just completely forgot the second half. So I think, I think the how starts from recognising where there are gaps, where there are things that are not as good as they could be. You know, do you, do you perhaps lose your temper a bit too easily? You know, are there some things like that that, emotions can take a little bit too much control so how could you deal with that well spend some time to this there's not enough time on this podcast to deal with the issue i've just raised we could spend a whole series trying to solve that problem but there are plenty of ways to think if i now know that's the problem the thing that i need to work on next then find the people who can help advise you and guide you and, and shift that on if the thing you identify is how do i get better at sales you know my business would be great if only i had more sales well have a look at what your sales process is and what parts of it do you really understand and what parts of it don't you now go out and find some people to help you understand those a bit better and, and start thinking about those experiments the experiments you designed to take a man to the moon but that will not kill your business if you get them wrong and that's the how really perfect so you're walking into a corporate room. You said that, that you can sense the, the gravitas of that person there who has the wisdom in, in bucket loads. At what point will you identify yourself as that person? I'm not sure it's for me to identify that, actually. I think it's, I think it's for other people to identify it. All I can do is strive to be better tomorrow than I was today and know that I was better today than I was yesterday and, and as long as I'm on that journey and as long as I'm still striving uh, probably means I still have to be breathing so that's you know that's that's one way one thing but as long as as long as I'm doing that and doing it with intention and doing it you know the intention for the good of of others then I'll get there but I don't know when other people will tell me and there's been a lot of focus today, William, on, on the business side of things. But how much does the, the personal William come into the professional side of what you do? Yeah, it's the, that's the kind of work-life balance question, isn't it? And I, and I don't believe it's a balance. I believe they're, they're facets of the same diamond. Um, 
And you know what we're doing really is is, is just cutting new facets all the time to make a brighter, shinier, better diamond. Um, I'm not a believer in trying to keep work and life together. It kind of says if you're working, you're not alive almost, doesn't it? It's said different things. To me, my life is, you know, my work is part of my life. My life is about many, many things, not just about what I do with clients, but it's all part of, it's all part of who I am, my identity. And I can, that's one thing, that's unity. There is only me. Thank God, some people would say there's only you. Um, but, you know, this is what I'm saying, isn't it? You know, we are who we are because everybody else is already taken. Um, so, yeah, just just be you and, and be find the ways to be the best you you can be. I was listening to something. It was a, a lecture the other day about how you are always authentically you, even in situations where you have to be inauthentic for whatever purpose you're still the version of you therefore you are authentic and it's it's almost a paradox just describing that and you you're saying that obviously you're only you how how do you strive to be a better version of you when there is always you are always you what what are the measures that you put in place for that well the, i think the first thing is is a is an acceptance and it probably took me no, actually, I really, I can bring this down to one event. When my mother died in 2011, um, obviously, you know, there's a grief to go through and all of those things, and, and I'm not sure that I ever came out the other side of that, actually. You know, there's still days when I, I miss it. Most days, think about it quite often. But she was a trigger for me recognising that when things are in the past, they, are, they should remain in the past. There are things we learned from, or hopefully we learned from them, and there are things we can still draw on as, you know, memories, but they're in the past. The things that I've done that I regret or don't think were, you know, certainly weren't me at my best, I cannot, there is nothing I can do now to change those. But they, they're gone, they're past. All I can do is say, I'm not going to do that again. That's fine. We move on. But the future is an undiscovered country, we, and we have we have agency, we have choice. So I can choose today what future I'm going to aim for, and I can choose tomorrow a future that might be slightly different because I've learned something in the intervening period that changes my view of where I want to aim. And that ability to, to separate the history from the future is something that really kind of crystallised when my mother died, when I had to leave her in the past um, because there was no choice. Um, and it was just part of the thinking around, you know, that, the, you know, the, the time I became an orphan, there's always the thing. You, know, you can put all sorts of language on this as well, and the power of language is so great, you know. If I start talking about being an orphan, you know, that feels like something dreadful and horrible. And, and actually, in, in many ways, um, her final gift to me was to liberate me. Wow. I don't know where to go from there, William. It's it's a, It was a real powerful and, and poignant moment. And, and what you're, you're talking about is, is that excitement, but almost intrepidation of what the future holds. And 
that the past has its place. And yet, you know, we spend so much time in the present worrying about both either the, the past or the, or the future, and we're not actually recognizing the time we're in. And, and I think that, you know, that again, it, it becomes one of those moments in life where we we do need to have that time to think that you spoke of right at the beginning to 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 just digest and understand who we are and what it is that we want to do and how we want to live our life so again it comes back to what you said at the beginning it's is what is better and and how do you build a better business and and that word build it's a small sort of significant word that is a part of that whole process yeah, it is. And it's, you know, I, I see it as a as a journey, not as a destination. But, you know, you don't build a better business and stop. You're building a better business every day. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, William. We Again, I feel like we could just carry on, but unfortunately our time has come and we are drawing to a close. How could people get in touch with you, William, please? But one of the beauties of having an odd name like Beust, which is B-U-I-S-T, is you can just Google it and you'll find me. Um, but I'm at william at williambeust.com. Do send me an email. And uh, the website is williambeust.com as well. So you'll find it there. And all my contact details are on there too. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure they go in the show notes. So if anybody didn't catch your spelling of the name, then it's all there for you. So all great. Do you have some final words for me, William? It's been an absolute pleasure, but unfortunately, the time has come. So these are the final words for you to share with the audience. Well, thank you. And I think, you know, I just reiterate, um, you know, one of the things I've said, which is that uh, this is a journey and um, you don't have to do it alone. You know, reach out to the people you know, the people you love, the people who care about you. Um, share your fears, your trepidations and your successes with them and you'll be amazed at what they bring you. And, uh, you know, have fun. This is about, we only have one life, better make it a good one. And we'll see where it takes us all, won't we? Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.